This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. In this podcast, I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Matt Kelly, and we take a deep dive, literally going into the weeds each week for a compliance or compliance-related topic. I know you will enjoy this award-winning podcast. In this episode, Matt and I take a deep dive into the recently released COSO Framework for Sustainability. We compare it to the 2013 Internal Controls Framework for Compliance Programs and talk about how you can use this to help your sustainability reporting, raising issues of corporate governance, data governance as well. I know you'll enjoy this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. First, quick message from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly for the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. First of all, welcome back, Matt. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, our friends over at COSO released some information on a framework for sustainability. You were interested in it and wrote a blog post on it last week. Why don't you set the stage for us? Sure. So this is, as you said, a document that came from COSO, the sort of nonprofit group that publishes these guidance documents for effective internal control, effective risk management. Those are their two big pillars framework for internal control and a separate framework for enterprise risk management. And since they published those, they have every now and then published these more specialized pieces of guidance about how to use either of those frameworks for some other thing. It has been around cybersecurity, artificial intelligence. They have talked about corporate compliance in the past and how to use the frameworks for effective compliance programs. This new document that came out last week, is about how to use the internal control framework for sustainability disclosures that your company might be making. And they even coined a new term that I had not heard before, effective internal control over sustainability reporting. Um, Think about why would that be important? Well, because in the modern world, more and more companies are disclosing things either in their annual reports or the 10Q or in specialized sustainability reports, but they have an awful lot of data and an awful lot of numbers about carbon emissions or labor costs or diversity in the workforce. 
Well, how do we know that what you are putting in those reports about sustainability, how do we know that's accurate? And this document now is meant to help you take the internal control framework that most companies have been using for a long time now around effective financial controls. How would you do the same process for effective sustainability reporting? And that's the purpose of it. And I do think it's a good and timely thing because, as I said, we have a lot more people much more interested in the sustainability disclosures that you're making. Here we are. Matt, you and I both uh, podcasted and blogged on the 2013 COSO Framework for Internal Controls for Compliance. Do you feel like this builds on what COSO put forward in that document, or is this something really new and different? It is something in the same family, but still a different sibling. The parent might, the, that might be the way to think of this. The parent document is going to be the COSO Internal Control Framework, came out in 2013. An original version came out in 1992. The reason why people use COSO so much is because when the Sarbanes-Oxley Act was passed in 2003, the Securities and Exchange Commission said you should use some recognized control framework for effective financial reporting kind of like COSO over there. That looks perfectly good. And that was why people glommed on to the COSO framework for internal control for SOX reporting and SOX compliance. Well, since then, COSO has now come out with these descendants of the internal control framework, and they're all kind of sort of based on that same parent document. So this new one takes the original framework 17 principles, I think like 17 or 75 or so more specific points of focus, takes all of them and reframes each one with more of a sustainability sheen to it. So one of the principles might be selects effective IT general controls for reporting. That's in the master document. Well, now this one says uh, selects effective IT general controls for sustainability reporting. And it's a lot like that. It just kind of walks you through and helps you understand, okay, this is how I would use that concept for financial controls and effective financial reporting. Swap in the word sustainability instead of financial. And now I go through that same sort of a process. Um, That's what they want to do here. It's not much different than that document that came out with effective ethics and compliance programs a couple of years ago, which did the same thing, except they swapped in ethics and compliance instead of financial. But the principles were the same. The points of focus were the same. What you need to try to achieve is generally the same. It's just they are, like I said, putting this new sustainability sheen on the document that a lot of large companies have been using anyways for SOX compliance for years. Matt, any compliance practitioner who's used the 2013 framework will see that this framework also follows that. Instead of objectives, they have components, but then they have the 17 principles and multiple points of focus. And even the titles of the components, control environment, risk assessment, control activities, information and communication and monitoring, were the same as the 2013 framework. So I really like the the way you phrase it of perhaps uh, – twin sons of the same parent. Yep. Uh, but also, it's. I think the familiarity will, will help its acceptance because we've not only been working with the COSO 
2013 framework for now 10 years, but it's so well accepted literally across industries and across at least the United States. Uh, what are some of the highlights for you? Well, I think probably the biggest issue that it raises that people will need to think about, and we should also get back to who specifically in the company should be thinking about this, because that answer might be a little bit different. But they talk about the importance of IT systems and technology. And I think that is really worth calling out. And I'll actually read two sentences from the document that kind of frame up why IT is going to be such a crucial issue here. And they say, today, much financial reporting data is likely to be structured, housed in the general ledger, and flowed through enterprise resources or enterprise resource planning processes and software. That all makes sense. And your accounting team is going to say, yeah, I get that. But now here's the next sentence. ESG and sustainable business information, on the other hand, tends to be longer term and more qualitative with data sources both within and outside the organization's systems and considerable estimation and data modeling are required. So it's kind of sort of like what you have done to collect financial data and implement financial controls to put it all into the 10Q, but it's only kind of sort of like that. Revenue numbers are in dollar terms and carbon emissions are not. And how do you know that if you are getting carbon emissions from your supply chain, that they're all measuring it the same way? Are they reporting it in the same way? What if you're looking to report carbon emissions and fair labor wages in your supply chain in the same document? Radically different sorts of disclosures and data there, but you have to think through, how am I going to collect it? How am I going to house it? Where am I going to house it? How do I know that HR doesn't have labor data somewhere else that it's not reporting and the procurement people or the EHS function isn't miscollecting greenhouse gas data from our supply chain. So there's a lot there to think about how am I going to get this idea of sustainable data? How do I fit it into the Oracle or SAP system that we already have? Or, you know, you're using Workiva or Audit Board or Walters Kluwer to collect all of your data around auditing for financial controls. That stuff's all well understood and it's very structured. But now we have very different objectives with lots of different data coming from a lot of different places inside and outside the company. How are you going to get all of that data and fit it into whatever IT systems you have, or are you going to need new systems? These vendors are, of course, falling all over themselves to offer sustainability reporting solutions. So they're on top of this, but you know it's going to be a complicated process to think that through and make sure that you get it right. We did all of that with financial controls back like 15, 20 years ago. We're going to have to go through it all over again with sustainability controls now. Matt, I think you're pointing to something you raised in your blog post is a key component, which is data governance. Yep. How do you see or what do you see as the role of data governance for the information that the COSO framework allows us to collect? Well, it's going to be crucial, just like it would be for, say, financial reporting or collecting personal information that, uh, you know, you're going to have privacy compliance rules to think about. You need to think through What information do we want? Why do we want it? Where is it supposed to come from? Specific to sustainability, as the document calls out, a lot of this information is going to come from people outside or entities 
outside of your corporation, you know, the inventory you have, the sales you have, the profits you make, that's all generated internally and it's all expressed in dollars and cents. This is going to be very different. So you're going to have to make sure that the data governance mechanisms you have. Do you have a chief data governance officer? Some organizations do. Do you have an in-house data committee to think about how are we collecting all of this data? Some people do. Some organizations don't. You're going to have to think through, do we have the right oversight mechanisms in place to be handled, to be able to handle this very new type of disclosure that we're going to have? And from there, you can start to then reverse engineer do we have the right vendors giving us the right technology? Do we have the right processes to collect the right data from the right parts of our enterprise? And that's going to be a long process. We should all remember it took a long time to get Sarbanes-Oxley compliance into good fighting shape. It took years in the 2000s to really get that well understood in even large companies. And I'm sure a lot of small companies are still struggling with it today. But we are going to be going through a similar sort of challenge with sustainability disclosures, and it's probably going to be more complex. Um, let me pick up on the point that you raised that I was listening to inside my head while you were talking, which is a data governance committee. You think we're moving towards corporations really needing either a VP in charge of data, a data governance committee, or some other structure to literally oversee from the governance perspective, uh, all of the various categories of data that a company must keep and then allow appropriate persons, such as a chief compliance officer, access to those silos? Well, I think a better way to ask that question is show me the large enterprise that can do everything it needs to do, especially around disclosure and compliance, without a mechanism like that in, in train, in place. Because without some sort of data governance capability, I see that as a recipe for a mess. You're going to wind up with different parts of your enterprise having different types of data that might even say the same thing, but they don't know it because they're using it in different ways. They're storing it in different formats. You might be spending more money on IT vendors than you actually need if you just refocused your efforts on this is the data that we want and this is how it has to be classified. And therefore, we could streamline our vendor profile. I think a lot of companies would be very interested in that. CFOs would always be interested in how to cut costs. So having some sort of data governance capability is going to be crucial. Now, do you make it a senior level committee? Do you assign a VP of data governance in each silo who reports up to a chief data officer? What do they brief to the board? What do they brief to the executive management team? That's going to vary. And I don't necessarily know that we have emerging best practices or standards around it. But I go back to what I'd said earlier, show me the world of 2023 or 2030, where this will not be important because I don't see how you navigate today's climate, regulatory climate, legal climate, business climate. I don't see how you navigate that as a large enterprise without very strong data governance capabilities. And then moving forward, because this framework really lays lays out the structure in the same way the 2013 framework did, which built upon the financial controls framework, I would say we're getting a little more familiar and hopefully the implementation time won't be as long. Any thoughts around that issue? Well, I think it 
partly gets back to a point I had raised earlier that about who's going to use this, who's going to drive this effort. And on one hand, I could see why a compliance officer might be quite good for it because a lot of the skills, third-party risk management, process management, policy development, corporate disclosure, you know, corporate compliance officers are very good at that. On the other hand, some of this is really rooted in the corporate controller or corporate finance or even the internal audit team when you're looking at how do I assure the disclosures I'm making are accurate. Now, that is something that the corporate controller and the internal audit team have been doing at this point for almost decades on financial controls. And Tom, I think you and I have mentioned this before about the idea of an ESG controller who would maybe migrate from the corporate controller function over to take over ESG disclosures because they've been doing it for finance disclosures for so long. There are also natural candidates. Who's going to be in charge of this? That's probably going to vary from each company. Whoever's in charge, I think the other one is going to be best buddies with them around sustainability. If it's compliance, they're going to need the controller or internal audit and vice versa to make all of this work. But only then when you have a clear leadership role to make that transition, are we going to get to now let's make sure that the transition is a little bit less bumpy than it was for SOX in like 2006 when it was a complete mess and it took us years to get over that. Well, I think uh, this framework really, as I've said now several times, builds upon something that we're all familiar with. It gives us a way to map out some of these controls and more importantly to the data that we need uh, to utilize them. And I'm sure we will be discussing this probably in webinars, papers, and podcasts going forward. I think so too, Tom. Thank you. This is Tom Fox again. I'm pleased to announce that Compliance Into the Weeds won a 2022 Communicators Award in two categories for the best co-host and for best business podcast. So thanks to all of our listeners who supported us for the Communicator Awards. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into the compliance weeds. Finally, if you thought about starting your own podcast, please contact me. I'd love to help you either uh, help you produce your podcast or put you on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.